Let's get right into the word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you so much, Lord, that you have declared that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And Lord, we want your anointing to be upon your word today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for liberating our hearts and our minds and our emotions this day and getting us focused on you. So Lord, in all sincerity and honesty, Father, I pray that you would search our hearts, God, and let them be found as good ground, good soil to be planted, Father, this morning with your truth, for your word, for the seed, God, that has so much potential potential to change our lives and others around us. I pray, God, that as that seed is planted in our lives, Lord, that it would bring about an awesome harvest because it's going on good ground. We trust you for that, and we believe you for that. And if you agree with that, say amen. 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 Awesome. Well, we've been in a series talking about embracing change, and this week we're going to talk about embracing the truth. Last week, we talked about when we move forward, we have to embrace change and ask ourselves this one question. The question was, What did God say? Bottom line, what did God say? Whenever this life is said and done and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the only thing, folks, that's going to matter is how you and I responded to what God said. And we're not going to be able to blame anybody else. We're not going to be able to say, well, so-and-so didn't say this and -and so-and-so didn't do this. All that's going to matter when everything is said and done is how you and I responded to what did God say. Now, To answer this question of what did God say, I think that it's pretty important that you and I find out exactly what he did say. Uh, Amen? I I mean, we need to figure out what he did say. And so I was thinking about this and just kind of in my own prayer time thinking, God, how do I help your church today to understand what you said? And he said, just teach them how to embrace the truth. So this morning, we're going to talk about embracing the truth. And I want to start off with a statement that I have believed for years and years and years. And I just hold it so dear to my heart. And I pray that you adopt this too, because I promise you, if you go to church here any length of time, you're going to hear this said. I promise you that. That God's word is true, and I believe it. Say that with me. God's word is true, and I believe it. You see, we live in a culture and a time today that believes that truth is relative. And because they believe truth is relative, they basically think that they, because I choose to believe it, that makes it true. The world that you and I live in wants to say, well, it, there, there are no absolutes. There are no foundational principles to guide my life upon other than what I want to believe is right and wrong in my own life. So the world wants to tell you and the world's economy and the world's system wants to tell you that if it feels good, do it, right? If you don't feel bad about it, go for it. It must be okay. Even though it's not okay for everybody else, it's okay for you because you don't feel bad. Or then we try to justify things in our lives. Well, I can do this and I can go uh, participate in this type of lifestyle because, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. And I choose to believe that it's okay for me. Well, let me tell you something, folks. There's got to be a constant. There's got to be an absolute. There's got to be something that you and I can base our lives on that is more solid and more trusted and longer lasting than how we feel. Because here's the problem. How we feel always is subject to change. How many of you know some things that maybe you used to be passionate about, some things you used to feel real strongly about, you don't feel that way about those things anymore? You know? I mean, uh, I, I don't know if, if uh, you know, some of you guys are as passionate about G.I. Joe as you once were when you were a young guy. 
There may be those out in the crowd that are still equally as passionate and you want to invite your pastor over to play G.I. Joe's. Hey, let's give me a call. Give me a call. We'll have a great time together. We can go sledding on half of a sled so, and, and play G.I. Joe's. And just like the girls, you know, a, a lot of times we end up taking those things that we played with as children and those things end up, you know, being more collectible items. We don't really play with them anymore like we used to. But there are certain things that we used to feel real passionate about that we don't feel that way anymore. And that means that our feelings are subject to change. So if I really want to be strong, how, how many of you guys live in a house? Pretty, that's good. That's good. If you don't, we'll help you. Just, just give us a call. We want but listen, if, if, you, if, if you have a home of any sort, there's a foundation underneath. How many of you guys would want to build it on something that wasn't reliable? How many of you would want to construct a home on something that wasn't reliable? If I see your hand go up, Pastor Mike has Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights, and he can help you walk through those misunderstandings. But let me tell you guys something. We want to build our homes on something that is solid because that's where we're going to place our entire lives. That's where we're going to place all of our belongings, everything that has value to us. We're going to put inside of that house. And because of that, we want to make sure that whenever we, we begin to construct our, our walls and our roofs, and, and that we're going to house all of the things that are precious and important to us, that this foundation is solid and secure. As a matter of fact, there is more time just about spent on the foundation of a home than framing up a home, right? You can frame up a house rather quickly, but to get that foundation strong, it takes some time because we want to build our lives on something that is strong. And there is nothing stronger, there is nothing more long-lasting, something that's been tried and endured the test of time than God's Word. God's Word is the only thing solid and viable enough for you and I. It's the only thing worthy enough for you and I to build our lives upon. Now, God's Word is true, and what? And I believe it. We don't choose to believe it and therefore make it true. Well, I choose to believe certain things about the Bible and those things are true for me. No, it's true and I choose to believe it. We've got to get that in our hearts because we need to understand that God's word is absolute truth. It's the guiding force that's going to lead you through whatever you're facing. God's word is going to show you the heart and character of God. You know, a lot of people have a problem with saying God's word is true and I believe it because God's word doesn't address every single thing down to the particulars that I'm going through in life. You're exactly right. There are some things, you know, that were just simply not around whenever certain passages were written. There's uh, not a list of every television show that you should and should not watch in the Bible. There's not a bunch of lists of do's and don'ts. And that's what you've got to understand, that the Word of God is not simply a big book of rules and do's and don'ts. It is the character of God being shown. It's the heart of God being shown. And the more time you spend understanding His Word and shoring up your foundation, the more you begin to understand who God is, the more you begin to understand who, what His character is. And therefore, when you go about your life making decisions and dealing with circumstances, dealing with pressure, dealing with pain, dealing with uh, your finances, dealing with relationships, dealing with hurt, all of these different things that are going to come at us in life, if our lives are solid and secured in the foundation of God's character and who He is, then whenever things come at me, then guess what? If my life is secure and I've been shoring up my foundation, learning who I am in Christ, learning God's character, then guess what? I'm going to respond in a way that would please God. Does that make sense? Because I understand his character. How many of you know whoever you rub shoulders with, you're going to start acting like them? 
How many of you know that this Arkansas boy, the longer he stays in Wisconsin, is going to get an accent? <laughs> right? The more cheese curds I eat, the more Packers games that I watch, you know, I mean, it's just going to happen. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. The only reason that I talk like I'm from the South is because I, I am. It's not that hard to figure out who you hang around. You're going to begin to develop characteristics. You're going to begin to talk like they talk. You're going to begin to act like certain people act. That's why it's very, it's very important who you choose to have relationships with and who you choose to hang around, who you choose to listen to. Because whenever you hang around people, you start to think like they think and act like they act and even talk maybe like they talk. Let me tell you, I want to hang around God. I want to hang around the character of Him and His Word because I want to talk like God talks. I want to act like God acts. And more importantly than how I act, it's more important how I react whenever things come my way. I want to react the way that God would have me react where it would be pleasing unto Him. Amen? Amen. That, that's good preaching, Pastor Derek. Amen. Let's go. <laughs> Matthew... <laughs> Listen, you guys don't understand. Whenever you stand up in a capacity of, of, of teaching like this, that when you're preaching, you say things that, that, that just minister to you as well. So I, I don't mean that in a prideful way. I mean that this, this is good to, to my soul as well. So Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles there if you have them this morning. Matthew 7 and verse 24 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine... And does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on what? The rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on what? The sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. You see, the solid rock, the foundation that you and I build our lives on should be the sayings of Jesus, the sayings of God, His Word, this Bible that you and I carry around, this Bible that you and I bring to church and read, this Bible that prayerfully we open and we spend time in daily. This thing is the very, holds the keys to life, and it's the only thing that's going to endure the storms of life. It's the only thing that's really going to endure the storms of life. I want you to understand that, because as we embrace change, his word's got to be the foundation for our decisions, our direction, and even our perception. You know, how we raise our kids, how we treat our spouse, how we trust God for healing, how we trust God for peace. You know, if God's wanting us to, uh, you know, do different things in our lives and there's questions in our lives about what to do, if there's areas in our lives that we've been struggling with that we're wanting to be free from, his word is the foundation that's going to help you to endure whatever trial, whatever test, whatever change you need to make in your life. Amen? We've got to do that. We've got to shore ourselves up on that solid rock to embrace the Word of God, to embrace truth. We've got to understand it, right? Sometimes people say, hey, I've read the Word of God. I've opened up my Bible, and I just, I, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. So first thing we've got to do to really grab a hold and embrace the truth is we've got to seek to understand it. And I'm going to show you here what happened. In Nehemiah chapter 8, go ahead and turn there. This is really an awesome story here in the Bible. In Nehemiah chapter 8, in verse 1, here's what's been going on. 
There's this guy named Nehemiah who was serving the king. He was actually his cupbearer, the guy that got to drink all of his stuff uh, to make sure it wasn't poison, you know, and all this stuff before he brings it to the king, you know, to make sure, you know, if if Nehemiah dies, well, it was poison. So, you know, he did his job. So here he is in the house of the king, and this is during a time where the people of God, the children of Israel, are in captivity. They've been in captivity to the Babylonians for some 60 years. And because of that, Nehemiah goes to the king, and the king decides he's ready to release the people from their captivity. And because he does, Nehemiah says, King, you know, I know I've been serving you, but is it okay if I go back and rebuild the city that's been destroyed, our city Jerusalem? Can I go back and rebuild the walls around the city? That was the first thing Nehemiah wanted to do. His heart was weeping for his city and for the people. And the king says, sure, you can take some people with you and you guys can go rebuild the wall. And so Nehemiah spends all this time rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. Have you ever seen pictures of, of the city of Jerusalem and how there's walls all around the city. That was real common back during those days to build those walls to fortify and to protect the city. And that's what Nehemiah said. I want to go back and the first thing I want to do is I want to rebuild these walls. Well, he, he, he went through all of this process of doing so and it was a lot of struggle. It was a lot of heartache. People were against him. People were, you know, trying to even uh, have him killed and, you know, all types of different things. But the wall finally gets finished with a lot of workers, with a lot of help. And now it's time to go into the city. So here's the picture of what we're about to read. Here's the guy standing here before Nehemiah who had been in captivity. And Ezra the priest stands up and he begins to read from the book of the law of Moses that God gave to Moses. And as he begins to read, here's what happens. Check this out. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 1. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seven month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in the front of the water gate and the mor- from morning till midday before the men and women and all those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So you can stop right there and say, hey, if you want to understand the Word of God, first of all, you've got to pay attention, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you want to understand anything, you've got to pay attention. How many of you slapped your kids on the back of the head? Hey, pay attention, you know? We've got to pay attention. We've got to k- take attention to what God is saying. So um, Ezra the scribe stood on a platform, verse 4, of wood which they had made for the purpose, and beside him at his right hand stood uh, Matithai, Shema, Ananiah, Urijiah, Hilkiah, and Maseiah. At his left hand was Pediah, uh, Mishael, Malchajiah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshalem. Ooh, okay. And, <laughs> and Ezra, well, that's an easy one. Why couldn't they all have names like that? And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and he opened it, and then all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people said, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, all of these other guys with really hard names, let's just skip through that and go to verse 8. Here's what they did. Well, well, actually, let's back up in verse 7. Even though there's all these difficult names, let's try this. And and, and Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, uh, Sam, uh, Harry, (laughs) Matt, Keith, uh, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites. Here's what they did. Look at this. He helped the people to understand the reading. 
he helped them to understand what was just being read. Now, how awesome is that that you see here that he was being, the people were being helped. Now, in verse 8, it goes on to say they read distinctly from the book of the law of God. They gave sense and helped them to understand the reading. So here's basically what happened. Kind of wrapped your mind around this. Ezra's standing on this elevated platform, kind of like this here so everybody can see him. He's reading from the book of the law, and not only does he do it, he says, oh, you guys with funny names, come here. And I want you to go and help all these people understand what I'm about to read. And what he did was after he read, all of these guys would break out and go to all these different groups of people and would help them to understand what was being read. Now, you see how vital it is for us to understand the Word of God. Because these guys have been in captivity. It's great now that they're free. Let's read them from the book of the law and show them the character and the heart of God. But they didn't just stop there. They said it's more important for these guys to understand it than just to read. How many of you know, listen to me, and listen to me good. How many of you know that it's more important for you to understand the Word of God than you to just come to church and check in and check out? Amen? How many of you know it's more important for you and I to grasp the heart of God through His Word than it is for us to just punch our time card and do our religious service for the week? Amen? Because God doesn't desire just us to show up at church. He desires for us to get to know Him and get to know His character and who He is. The only way we can do that is if we pursue Him to understand who He is. We do that through worshiping Him. We do that through fellowship with other Christian believers. We do that through understanding His Word. Now check this out. Turn right over to Nehemiah chapter 9 and i want you to see this now what's the result here of all this stuff happening now that they've helped the people to understand the word of god nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 1 says now on the 24th day of the month uh, of this month the children of israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads that means they were repenting it was just a uh, that was part of their tradition then those of israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day, and for another fourth they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. You guys think I preach long. A fourth of the day is how long they would take turns standing up and reading from the book of the law. And then another fourth of the day they spent worshiping God. You think that sometimes we repeat courses over and over again too long. Imagine doing it for a fourth of the day. So here you are for six hours worshiping God, and then you listen to a six-hour sermon. That's what was going on. What was going on? Why was this happening? Because these people wanted to know more. These people wanted to know God in a deeper and stronger way. Why would they do that? Because they just understood what was being read. You see, when you understand it, it stirs up a hunger on the inside of you for more. Have you ever done something great or figured something out? Have you ever put together something from uh, Walmart or Target? You bought one of those computer desks that are from Satan? That, <laughs> that they have all the little pieces that you have to put together and the directions are in Chinese or Spanish or something you can't understand what they're saying or the directions. I, you're trying to figure this thing out. And there's certain pieces that don't have the sticker on it so you don't know if that's the right piece or not. And then you get the whole thing put together and you go, oh no, I didn't do this one part right. And you've got to take the whole thing apart to fit that one little shelf back in the right way. Don't you hate that? 
my girls have bunk beds. And whenever we moved in our house, I'm not going to name any names. <coughs> but they're, <coughs> yeah, I'm not going to name any names. I was going to. <laughs> we spent a lot of time trying to put together my kids' bunk beds. And uh, as we were doing that, you know, uh, somebody made the comment, I think in this room there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians <laughs> because that's exactly what was going on. We put the thing together backwards, forwards, but we finally got it all figured out. But you know, whenever you understand something, after you get it put together and you go, aha, you ever have an aha moment? Say it with me, aha. Say it, say it fun, aha. You don't have to be so stiff in church, come on. <laughs> yeah. You can have an aha moment. You have an aha moment with God where you go, I, I get it. I understand it because I've been seeking to understand. And because I've been seeking to understand and someone helped me understand, I get it. And what does that do? It excites you. It gets you hungry. It gets you stirred up. I want more. I want more. I don't care if it goes for six hours. I don't care if the preacher preaches long. I don't care if the worship service is extended. I want to know God more. And when you serve him with that kind of passion, you, when you, you, you embrace his word in such a way, it's strengthening, folks. It's strengthening the foundation of your life. And whenever the trials come and whenever the storms come, you're going to be able to weather them stronger and keep moving forward and keep embracing change because you're solid and your life is built on something that lasts. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Yeah. Amen. Me too. Glad I showed up. Number three in your notes, for us to embrace truth, we must be able to understand God's word so we can correctly apply it and share it with others. Here's the thing. The first thing you do is you understand it. And then when you understand it, here's what you can do. You can actually apply it. Because until you understand it, you're not going to be able to apply it. And then after you apply it, you're going to be equipped to be able to share it. How many of you know that if you ate at a really great restaurant... You applied the food to your mouth and your stomach and you enjoyed that experience. What are you going to do? Hey, guess what? You guys need to go check out the new steakhouse in town. Hey, you guys really need to go check out the new pizza place down here on whatever street. And we do that kind of stuff. What are we doing? We're evangelizing. We're spreading. We're being advertisers. And we're not even getting paid for it, right? Have you guys ever seen the little Mio uh, water uh, flavors? A little squeeze and water flavors. I love those things. And when they first came out, I, I drink a lot of water. And I was, I was squirting those things. I'm like, man, those things are good. I used to carry them in restaurants. And the waitresses and waiters would say, what, is, what are you doing? You know, did, did you have fruit punch or something? No, I squirted this little liquid in there. And it, you know, it's really good. And I would tell them all about it. I was evangelizing for Mio. <laughs> I wasn't getting a dime off of it. As a matter of fact, I was giving them more money. But you know, whenever you're excited about something, Whenever you've understood something and you've experienced something and you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and you know that he's worth the investment, you know that he is everything. When you truly say, God, all I am is yours and you really understand that and can be passionate about that, you've got no problem sharing something you're excited about. You've got no problem. Is anybody going to say, if, you know, after the Packers win today, is anybody going to go on Facebook and go, well, the Packers won today. Let me call my buddy. Did you see that play? Man, wasn't that great? Did, 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 you see, did you see Rogers throw that touchdown? Yeah, it was great. That was great, wasn't it? Man, that was awesome. 
No, you're going to go, did you see that? Oh, my gosh, did you see that? Did you just see that interception? Yes, yes, you're going to do backflips off your couch. The bowl of popcorn is going to fly up in the air. Yes, yes, I saw it. Why? Because it's something you love. It's something that you've got. And let me tell you, whenever you get excited about Jesus, the Packers can't even compare, amen? Let me tell you, whenever you get excited about his word and you want to understand him and get to know him more, get to know his character, it changes everything. And then you look at the devil, you look at the situations in life that want to come and try to knock you out, knock you down and destroy you, and you say, bring it on. You say, bring it on, because you understand who's got your back. You understand who's gone before you and prepared the path. You understand who is your shield. You know him. And you know how to respond to different situations in life. Because I know what God would have me do. I know what God would have me do. So, <clears throat> say this with me. Say, understand, understand. Apply, apply, and share. share. Say it again. Understand, understand. Apply, apply, and share. share. Now, those are the three things we've got to do. We've got to understand, we've got to apply, and we've got to share the Word of God. In that order, that's how this thing works. That's how we measure our success as Christians. That's how we measure our success as a church. Not how big buildings we build, not how great anybody is or any one person is. What we do is we build our churches on our people understanding, are they applying and are they sharing the word of God? That's the measuring mark right there. If they're understanding it, that covers everything. If they're applying it, that covers everything. If they're sharing it, that covers everything. I want you to think on that. Write that down. I want you to think on that throughout the week. God, how can I help others to understand, apply, and share the Word of God? And how, Lord, can I myself understand and apply and share the Word of God better? That's going to help shore up your foundation. Now, but here's the deal. For you to go to the next step after you've understood and apply, you can't just apply, right? You just can't go out and, 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 and buy something and just begin to apply that product without reading the instructions, or you won't do it correctly, right? Anybody ever applied anything incorrectly? Nobody in here. Of course not. But we've got to apply it. And we've got to apply it correctly. And we've got to understand. So, Pastor Derek, how do I correctly apply God's Word? Let me show you where to start. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 9. Is everybody okay? You doing good? All right, good. Because I'm going to keep preaching either way. All right. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 9. <laughs> And verse 10, I want to show you something. This will set you free. Proverbs 9 and verse 10. This is an awesome scripture here. The fear of the Lord is the what? Beginning of what? Wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let's read that again. The fear of the Lord is the what? It's the beginning of what? So if I want wisdom, I've got to start with the fear of the Lord. The beginning, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the starting place. Now, this doesn't make sense to a lot of us. Because when we start talking about the fear of the Lord, we're saying, Pastor, what are you saying? Am I supposed to be afraid of God? Because I thought the Bible said he loves me, and I, and I don't love people that I'm afraid of. Well, I, I, the Bible says that he's my friend. We just, we, we sing songs about I'm a friend of God, and we, you know, about how he wants to, us to know him more. I don't want to get to know somebody that I'm going to have to live the rest of my life and be absolutely afraid of, right? That doesn't compute. That doesn't make sense. I was praying about this scripture many years ago, 
And the Lord really gave me some clarification to help God's people to understand what he's talking about here with fear. Because some people just say, oh, you need to respect God. That's what that means. And yes, it does, but there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Here's what it means to fear the Lord. And I want you to write this down. To fear God means to take him seriously. How easy is that, right? How easy is that? To fear God means to take him seriously. Are there people in your life that you take seriously that whenever they say something, you know you can take it to the bank? There's no question. It's the real deal. They mean it, right? That means that if God said it, that he means it. He's not fooling around. He's not joking around. He's serious. If he says he wants to bless you in this area, then he wants to bless you. If he said you need to change in this area, then you need to change in this area. It's not that God, you know, we treat the Bible sometimes like God is suggesting things. If you have time, or if you want to, or if you feel like it, that's not how God rolls. That's not how God works. That's not how God operates. That's how we operate. If, 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 if you want to, you can repent. If you want, you know, hell's really bad. It's going to be really hot there. You know, so if you want to, if you want to, that's how we treat the scripture. And that's not at all how to, we've got to fear the Lord. Listen, we've got to fear the Lord before we can even start to apply correctly his word. Now, what does that mean? To fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To fear God means to take God seriously. Now, so we need to ask the next question, what is wisdom? And I want you to write this down. Wisdom is correctly applying knowledge. Say that with me. Say, wisdom is correctly applying knowledge. So if I'm going to correctly apply the things that I know for it to become wisdom before I can even allow it to begin to start to become wisdom, what have I got to do? Got to take God seriously, right? Yeah, before I can begin to... You see, a lot of times, here's what church folks do. I'm not... Uh, here's what church folks do. What we do is we, 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 we like to know a lot of things and sound really smart. That's why you can go to church your entire life and you can sit under the best teaching. You can read all of the books that come out, all the latest and greatest. You can have read the Bible 200 different times and even backwards and in Latin and in Chinese and Greek and know all the right words and all the right things to say and still be defeated, still be depressed, still be broke down, still be brokenhearted and never walking in victory and peace that God wants you to walk in. You know you can have all of this knowledge and still be defeated. Why? Because you never applied it. You never knew how to apply it correctly because you never took God seriously. You've got to take him seriously before you can correctly apply it. That means that if I see it in his word, that means he means it. He's not joking around. He's for real. If he said love your neighbor, that means love your neighbor. If he said to, you know, uh, repent over these certain issues, then that's what he means. If he, if he says, I've got great plans for you, if he said, I've got things that you couldn't even dream of if you were told, then guess what? He means it. And when you take those words seriously and you allow them to be the foundation of your life, then guess what? You can correctly apply the knowledge you've learned and what does it transfer and change into? Wisdom. You know, we go and we talk to people who have lived life or, or had a lot of experience in life whenever we're seeking counsel and seeking wisdom why? Why do they possess wisdom? Because they, they went to school and they're so smart? No, because they've been through a lot of junk, right? You want to go talk to somebody who's been through some stuff if you're going through something difficult. You want to talk to somebody. Hey, I, 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 know, I know that you understand, and let me tell you, can you help me? You see somebody who come out on the other side of this thing victorious. I, I need some counsel. I need some help. You're seeking wisdom because they've understood how to correctly apply 
the things that they've been taught and the things that they know. So you can sit in church your whole life and gain knowledge and live defeated. That sounds like a lot of fun, right? <laughs> no way. No way. That would be dumb for us to do that. But for us to understand is one thing. But for us to correctly apply is another. So we want to understand and then we want to apply God's word in our lives. And taking God seriously or fearing him is the starting place. Amen? We must take God seriously if we're going to move forward and if we're going to embrace change. That's your fourth point. We got to take God seriously if we're going to move forward and embrace change. That means we've got to embrace the truth of his word now more than ever. That means that we've got to grab a hold of his promises. We've got to grab a hold to what God said. That's why we've got to find out what did God say and I've got to hold on to it in the middle of the storm. I've got to hold on to what God said and allow it to shore up my foundation and strengthen my life in the good times and the bad. That's why it's important that you and I study God's word and get into God's word and to show ourselves approved. That's what 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says that we need to study to show ourselves approved. A workman needs not to be ashamed because he needs to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. Do we have that scripture back there? That was one of our scriptures in our notes. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How you rightly divide the word of truth means that you understand God's word. You understand truth and you understand how to correctly apply it in your life. And then guess what happens? Here's the cool part. Once you understand how to apply it and it moves from just becoming head knowledge to heart knowledge, which is wisdom, when it becomes wisdom, you now have increased your capacity to be able to share it with confidence. Isn't it a lot easier to share something that you're confident about rather than something that you don't really, you're not really sure? It's a lot easier to tell somebody, uh, hey, how do I get to Walmart? Oh, you take, uh, uh, you, t you take that street down, down there and stop at that traffic light over there by the place, and, and then you turn by the thing, and you know where the snow is, you turn there. <laughs> and once you, you're not confident. You're not confident. But when you're confident in God... Whenever the enemy wants to come and challenge you, whenever the enemy wants to come and, and try to break you down or destroy you, he's not just challenging you. He's not trying to destroy you. He's trying to get what's on the inside of you and get your foundation destroyed because then he knows he can wash everything else away if he can get your foundation destroyed. Here's the thing, folks. If we build on a foundation of sand, we're building on a foundation of our emotions. We're building on a foundation of how we feel, of how we reason and our thought process. And those things are subject to change because they're circumstantial. Because our feelings about certain things always change whenever the circumstances change. Hey, I'm real happy I came to church today. Oh, I'm not happy. I'm mad. Somebody slapped me when I walked through the door. What's up with that? What kind of church is this? It doesn't make sense. Now I'm mad. What changed? What changed? The way I feel because the circumstance changed. You go into work happy one day. Oh, I'm, this is going to be a great day. And then all of a sudden, one of your coworkers said something snotty to you or ugly to you. Or somebody takes your parking spot. <sighs> I was so happy coming into work today. Oh, my parking spot. <sighs> somebody cut you off in traffic. Oh, what changed? What changed? Your emotions. Your emotions are what changed. And then you begin to think based on your emotions. You begin to take action and make decisions based on your emotions. And it's not substantiated. It's not anything you can make decisions and be base, basing your life upon because it changes. 
That means I've got to calm myself in the middle of the storm and put aside how I feel. And I've got to say, okay, I'm mad, I'm hurt, I'm confused, whatever's going on in your life, I'm scared, I'm anxious, I don't know what's going to happen. I've got to ground myself in what did God say. I've got to ground myself in what did God say. And I need to find out what he said, and then I need to understand it so I can correctly apply it in my life. And then once I've gone through that storm, and I see somebody else going through a storm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, let me tell you about one time when. Let me tell you about one time when this happened. Let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you how God brought me through this because I've been right where you're at and I see it all over you. Then all of a sudden you moved, you've transitioned from being someone who needed to be ministered to to someone who's now ministering. And you're giving out the truth and the love of God's word. How awesome is that? How awesome is that, right? You see, we gotta take him seriously if we're gonna move forward and embrace change. Now, God wants us to understand, apply, and share his word, and he wants us to have that strong foundation. But to do so, we're going to have to take him how? Man, you people, listen. High five. Air high five from the platform. Awesome. Yes, over here, air high five. Let me tell you, we're taking him seriously. We're taking him seriously. We're not joking around with this. This isn't something we come here to do to play. We're not coming here to do just to have a social gathering or a social club. We understand we're about the Father's business. We understand we're here for a purpose and a mission, and God has something greater in store for us. And because we believe that, we've got to shore ourselves up. Because just because God wants good things doesn't mean they're all going to fall in our lap like rice at a wedding. It means that we have got to keep moving forward, whether things are going great or whether they're not in our lives. Amen? (coughs) Amen. I'm not going to have anything left for the Packers today. (laughs) But that's okay. I'd rather give it to you and to God than the Packers. Amen? That means that when God said it, he means it. He's not suggesting it. He's serious. He's absolute. He's definitive. He wants us to align our lives and our hearts with his truth. And guess what happens when you choose to do that? Guess what happens when you choose to do that? John chapter 8 and 31, put it up on the screen. Here's what happens. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word and you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know what? And what's the truth going to do? It's going to set you free. How many of you need freedom today? How many of you say, God, I need some freedom from the junk, from the pressure, from the strife? I need some freedom today. Well, let me tell you, if you abide in his word, if you abide in his word and you're my disciples, that word disciple means disciplined learner, someone who chooses to submit their life and follow the teachings of Christ and God and his word. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. In other words, he's saying you've sought to understand. And if you've sought to understand, then you're going to know the truth. If you know the truth, then it's obvious that you're going to understand how to correctly apply it. And when you do that truth, that you know that you've now got in your heart is going to make you free. I'm going to tell you, folks, this stuff is real. It's more real to me now than it's ever been at any point in my life. God's brought me through storms. God's brought me through junk. And God's done great things in my life as I know he has in yours. And he's real. His word's real. It's truth. This isn't a book full of stories and fables that we all sit around and talk about and then we all go have our coffee later. No, this is life. This is real. And this is why we're here today. We're here today to further our understanding and our application and our sharing the word of God. That's why we're here today. 
That's why we're here. So we can grab a hold of more truth. So we can apply it to our own life. So we can help one another because we need one another. You know that? We need one another. We need one another so we can help each other understand and apply and share as well. And it's just a cycle that keeps repeating itself. It's, it, sometimes it may be us that's growing and understanding, applying and sharing. Other times it may be us that are helping others to grow in understanding, applying and sharing. That's how God works. That's how we're going to move forward as a church. That's how we're going to be able to embrace change and embrace truth. And that truth is going to make folks free. I'm talking about people who've got hang-ups. I'm talking about people who are living uh, with depression, people who are living with anger, who are living in constant fear, who are being run by their emotions, who are being run by circumstances. Jesus said, if you get a hold of that truth, it's going to set you free from all that junk, all the turmoil of you laying in bed, awake at night with questions unanswered because you're going, God, why? I don't understand why this situation hasn't worked out in my life. I don't understand what's going on. You will know the truth, and it's going to ground you. It's going to ground you. It's going to be like that lightning rod. It's going to ground you, and it's going to set you free. It's going to set you free. It's going to set you free. Look at somebody sitting next to you and say, it's going to make you free. Now look at somebody on the other side of you and say, it's going to make you free. Amen. Amen. You know the truth when you abide in his word and when you take it seriously and you seek to understand what he's saying right now. And where God wants us to go as a church, it's better than whatever you thought. Where God wants your marriage, your job, your kids, your finances to go, it's better than whatever. You remember that last week? It's better than whatever you could dream. But we've got to understand His Word. We've got to submit to it. You don't get by on this thing without submitting to the truth. You've got to submit to it and say, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, and I'm submitting to you. Even though I don't like it, even though it's challenging my flesh or my emotions or my mind, God, I submit to you however you would have me to submit. And we do it correctly by applying it in our lives. And then watch, that truth is going to set you free. My mom used to have one of these little goofy-looking pictures on the refrigerator of this kid making a sad face. He was like doing like this. And on that little caption, it said, God said it, and that settles it. And a little picture of this little kid that was sad means even if I'm sad, God said it. I'm, God said it, and that settles it. So throughout this week, ask yourself, what did God say? And then seek to understand, apply, and share. And then you need to get to the position where you can stand on the solid rock of the truth of God's word and say, God said it. That settles it. No, Satan, you're not having my kids. No, Satan, you're not going to have my family. You, you, you're not going to have my finances. You're not going to have my peace. You're not going to have my joy. Nope. You're not going to have my healing. You're not going to have it. Mm-mm. Nope. God's word said it, and that settles it. And I'm standing on the solid rock of God's truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. One of the worship team members, could you go ahead and come up here? I want you guys to just bow your heads for a minute this morning. This next week... We're going to be starting to take heed of God's wisdom in His Word, and I want you to embrace that truth. I want you to embrace that truth by taking a book of Proverbs, a different chapter in the book of Proverbs this week. There's all of these different chapters in here, and it most of the time will align with whatever month that we have, where you can take one chapter a day throughout the month. And I want you to take one chapter. So today is the 15th. Read Proverbs 15 today tomorrow read the 16th and so on and so forth just take that this way just as a starting point to embrace the word and to embrace his truth 
cycle through that the rest of this month. And what I want you to do is watch the freedom that's going to come in your life as you seek to understand, apply, and share His Word. And I want you to share with me this week, too, as you do that. Email me, call me, whatever you want to do. Let me know what God's Word's doing in you. Now, as we seek to embrace His truth together as a church, today you have an opportunity to respond to that truth. The truth that God loves you and wants better for you than you want for yourself. The truth that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for your sin and all you have to do is receive him. The first and most important step any of us will ever make is the one to make Jesus the leader and the ruler of our lives. Maybe, guys, you've said a prayer in church before where you accepted Jesus, but maybe you've never really allowed him to become your Lord, your leader. Maybe once you followed him, but you've kind of fallen away. You say, I really haven't been real serious. I haven't been taking God seriously like you said today, Pastor Derek. And I want to kind of renew that commitment to him today. If that's you, would you just let me know that you're here just by quickly lifting your hand and putting it back down. I see those hands. I see those hands. You can put them down. I see those hands. Anybody else? There's hands lifted all over this room at one point. I see that hand. You can put it down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything embarrassing at all. Anybody else in this place? I see that hand. I'm ready to get serious with God, Pastor Derek. If you lifted your hand and you were serious then I want you to repeat after me. And us as a church in concert, let's not let them feel embarrassed or anything. Let's all join in this prayer this morning. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I choose to accept you. I choose to accept that you loved me enough to die on a cross for my sin. I'm ready to take you seriously. I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to embrace your truth. The truth that you want better for me than I could ever want for myself. So I say, I want you to be my leader. I make you the Lord of my life today. And I want to commit it to you. Amen. Amen. If you lifted your hand and you were...